Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show, we have Ziv Pellet, Chief Customer Officer of AppsFlyer. In this episode, Ziv shared his experience trying to gain balance between in-office and remote work post-COVID for his team, and the functions of the customer success operations team that make it all happen, and now supports over 240 customer success team members across the world. We then discussed the sophisticated customer data and analytics setup AppsFly have between Salesforce and Looker for their customer success team, and we finished off by discussing the learnings from aligning customer success compensation with engagement metrics. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With the browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Ziv, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Uh, for the listeners, Ziv is a friend of the show who previously joined us on episode 50 and 100 and is with us today to share the progression and transformation that AppsFlyer has gone through over the last year. He is the Chief Customer Officer at AppsFlyer, the global leader in mobile attribution and marketing analytics. And Ziv has been at AppsFlyer for over eight years now and started out as a senior customer success manager and has grown up the ranks to now leading the entire customer team. In his time, he's experienced some explosive growth. And since last speaking, AppsFlyer has actually seen some explosive growth in employees from 1,000 to 1,500 and 315 of those coming from the client services team, of which 240 on the customer success team. So if you're interested in hearing about what it means to really scale this customer success team uh, at this scale and size, like this is going to be one of those episodes to listen to. So my first question for you is a very generic and general one, but what's news of what's been going on over the last year? Ah, so many things. Um, I, I think, you know, we're still coping with the new normal, you know, the new normal is uh, new versions every few months. Uh, and uh, I think the latest new normal is, is for us is balance. It's how to get back to the office and what is the right uh, number of days uh, for a CSM uh, and how, how should we uh, structure the sitting in the office. And, you know, we have different offices so different offices in different countries work were different um, but it's also, you know, how, how uh, to work on a daily basis, how, how we are uh, we going to be efficient and effective. Um, and, and in that, and we can speak about it uh, l- later in details, it's, I think it's the evolution 
of the playbook, the evolution of the processes, or I like to summarize that with the title of methodology. So uh, under methodology, I put the goals, I put uh, the processes, and I put tools. Uh, I think that, uh, and, 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 and if you look at the last three years, and we spoke about it also in the previous episodes, and it co- a- a- again continues to evolve, it's how we develop it. Uh, some are more playbooks and processes that are very detailed. Some are less detailed than we let the CSMs or the regions or the, or the busy units uh, decide uh, how it's going to look like in that region. Uh, and I think that this is definitely part of the success because, you know, the, as I see the uh, journey in the last eight and a half years, um, the CSM uh, work has become um, v- very complex, super hard to do. The, the ones, the CSMs that are getting it and getting to that level, they are becoming uh, nothing, nothing less than uh, super, superhuman. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of change then. I, I like the fact you said like the new norm. Uh, it feels like we're almost in like the verge of a completely new norm as well again. So it feels like things are going to be changing quite rapidly over the next few months as well. But uh, talking a little bit about the first uh, thing you mentioned, people coming back to the office now, finding like a, a good balance between that and what's right for CSMs. Uh, just give us a quick overview, like Apps Flyer, are you a like a hybrid model or you're like generally a full office mo- uh, mode? Like what is the plan there now post-COVID? Yeah, so f- for us, balance is the is the name of, uh, of getting back to the office. It's hybrid. Uh, we're looking, uh, first of all, it's, it's a training for the new normal. Uh, and a big part of it, uh, of, of balance is uh, we want to, for, for people to have the freedom to decide what they want to do. And it's a, a different between some departments and some regions. But overall, we are looking for two days in the office, three days at home. And big part of that training is how to uh, be efficient in the two days and in the three days. What should I do when I'm in the office? Um, the two days are for more team meetings, one-on-ones, socializing, uh, and the three days are more of how you optimize the things that you can do at home much better than office. Um, and for CSMs, by the way, specifically, I say that two days, for me, it's the maximum, because in the end, it doesn't matter how big of, uh, the office will be, we will never have enough uh, meeting rooms uh, and, and areas for the CSMs to do uh, customer calls. So for me, you know, if I take it, so not on a weekly basis, but on a on a uh, maybe two weeks basis, I want to see them one week, two days in the office, and one week, one day in the office, because I think that in the end, the more the majority of of the work of the CSM is engaging with the customer, and as I told you before, even uh, CSMs, um, the, you know, even before COVID, long long before COVID, we were Zoom customers and a lot of most of our interaction with customers or over uh, zoom yeah and it will keep uh, it will stay that way. in the future yeah nice so um you're basically then just going through different departments and trying to understand okay what is the level of interaction we need with the team whether it's face-to-face meetings and you get that social aspect and what is really like if you want to call it maybe focus time and customer success angle it's really about 
their own calls with customers. So it's more convenient and better to be in an environment that they control. Uh, or if it's other work, you're just looking into okay and saying, okay, what is that level of interaction needed? Uh, nice. And you have quite a few different offices though now around. Obviously, I think a large part of the org is based out of Israel, but uh, I think last time we spoke as well, you mentioned you had offices in parts of South America and uh, in other regions. Yeah, we, we have yeah. over 20 offices. Uh, we just opened uh, Indonesia and France uh, and Dubai. Um, it's um, I don't remember the exact number. It's at either 22 or 23 offices. Uh, we have uh, the some of the bigger ones, you know, San Francisco, London, uh, Israel, Bangkok, and China. Uh, from by the way, if we speak COVID-wise, so China office that was open for a long time when we had the third wave, uh, China office is now fully closed. Entire country is in lockdown. Uh, very hard, like. Uh, in order to go to the office, you need to uh, get tested at home and uh, ask the government to go to the office. Um, I think that this is also part of the new normal of, you know, how like m- the majority of the offices are open, people are even traveling, and then, but you, you have some offices that are not and are closed. And these people mm-hmm. interact with each other in order to continue working together towards the company goals, I think that's that's also part of the new norm. I remember when India and Brazil was closed and everyone were open. Now mm-hmm. most open, China is closed. I think that, that uh, this uh, uh, we learn how to work remotely again yeah. to a yeah. different level. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, if you take one, uh, another situation... Uh, which, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I spoke about that. I believe we reacted very fast to COVID. So we closed the office in two weeks and then we decided to do many different measurement measures, uh, like changing the budget from uh, uh, food uh, stipend in the office to the home. Uh, we, we care about employees a lot and, and we invested heavily in that. Uh, now with what happens in the Ukraine and uh, in the war in the Ukraine, we did uh, as much as we we could very very fast. By the way, we have both people in Moscow and in Kiev, and we we of course treated both sides because people in Moscow are also in a, some kind of a not not a optimal situation. Yeah. Uh, most yeah. of them actually went out of Russia, and we accommodate that and. Because of also the business uh, shifted a bit, then uh, we shifted uh, also some of the people. So uh, people that went out of Ukraine and uh, could could go to Germany or U- or the UK, we shifted them to a, a different region uh, yeah. to support them as as much as possible. Other people still work on the uh, uh, the uh, region. Uh, and we, of course, support them in accommodation. It, so, I mean, it sounds to me as well, obviously, like you must have a pretty sizable ops team as well to be able to manage uh, all of these uh, different locations. Um, how much of that is managed by like the general ops team versus like an ops function within customer success or client services? Do you have a specific ops function uh, to manage these processes and make sure that like, essentially your customer success team is working effectively across the regions and the markets you operate in? Yeah, a, a big part of the customer success and customer support su- success at AppsFlyer 
is due to our CSOps. Uh, we have a dedicated CSOps, which I invest uh, heavily in. Uh, I just presented uh, last week to the board. And when I presented my pulleys, the first slide in the pulleys is CSOps, uh, established uh, four and a half years ago. If I would, uh, if I was able to, I would go back and I, I would establish that in 2015 and uh, not in 2018. Uh, and today that ops team alone is 18 people strong. Uh, so just think about like budget wise, it's almost $2 million before tools to invest mm. in a team. But in the end, as I said, pulley, it is a, 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 an extreme pulley in everything that we, we are doing. Uh, and, and by the way, my, my leader the, for four and a half years that built this organization from scratch is now moving uh, to work under the COO to build the next level of the, the biz ops of the company uh, after this success of building CS ops. And uh, I'm hiring a replacement for that. Nice. Uh, what is that term you said, pulley? Because I think that's the first time. Pulley. Yeah. A pulley. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, you know the pulley. No, uh, first time I'm hearing yeah. it. That's right. Uh... Okay, so uh, it's 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 funny that we don't have uh, uh, the the ability to share visual here. Yeah. So uh, Leonardo da Vinci invented the pulley. So when you want to ah. pull. Okay, yeah, the pulley system. Yeah, okay. So mm -hmm. I thought it was something a specific KPI that I was missing, and I was like, no, we KPI use so many different and acronyms. We don't have an acronym for this. Nothing. That's yeah, it. It's, it's just like okay. if you visit our office in Israel, uh, yeah. just just in our porch next to the CEO office, we have three pulleys, okay. and you can actually see that when you have the three pulleys on the third one, you can lift 100 kilos with one hand. Oh yeah, wow. Uh, that's pretty cool to have at the office. So this is sort of. Uh, apps flyers, internal uh, comms, and how you show the different lev levers that you're pulling uh, to drive growth. Or yeah, and uh, and and if you think about it commercially, or if you think about it like in a PNL, you know, investing one dollar in CS ops, you want to see how much uh, of outcome it provides. It can be in revenue, it can be in uh, 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 savings, it can be in different things. Can be yeah. in, in time. Cool. I, I want to dive into that a little bit more. But the other thing as well is interesting. So your, your CSOps team then is it's almost 10% of your total CSMs team if you're 240 and you have 18. Um, the, the, my rule is 5% to 7%. 5 to 7. Okay. What is the functions then of the team? So what are they really like trying to, uh, what is their main goals and uh, purpose as a team? So it's divided to three parts. So uh, we have one part is uh, enablement and tools. Uh, they also work with our L&D team, the internal learning and development team, to make sure we continuously develop the training for customer success and customer support, uh, both onboarding and ongoing for the employees, uh, which uh, we, we have lots of training all the time. Uh, as we release new products, new processes. Uh, so we, we want to keep uh, uh, our employees trained. Um, enablement also and tools, uh, they, are, they are looking all the time at the different tools that we need. Uh, we are uh, in the last uh, one, one and a half years, we're integrating, for example, Everafter as a customer portal within our product. Uh, it's a... Uh, 
a very complex process of on one side we needed to integrate it with our uh, engineering on one side on another side we need to to define it and then to test it and then to, to start to uh, uh, evolve it uh, per region or sub-region, etc. It's a, it's a very uh, tough project, but that, that's that's uh, one one example. The enablement team is also uh, building some of the processes, not not uh, not all the processes, but some of the processes or manage the, these processes. This is the enablement team. Uh, we have an analytics team that starts from. So you have a few analysts. Uh, some are in Israel in the main office. Some are. In the regions, supporting the regions, they are the analysts, the main analysts of the region, and they work uh, with the the VP or the directors uh, directly and uh, serve them. Um, I, I always like to describe it as the analy- uh, uh, they can do ad hoc analysis, and then most of these ad hoc analysis later on develop to be a dashboard. It can be a, an ad hoc or specific dashboard for a leader. It can be, but usually these dashboards are be, are de, are developing to become uh, generic global ones, either for my level or the uh, mid mid leadership level, or individual contributors. Uh, if you look at our main looker page, uh, the main board for customer success, for example, you'll see that they have around uh, eighteen main dashboards. The one main one is the Good Morning Dashboard. Uh, it's uh, actually tabbed uh, probably like 10 dashboards in a, in a tab view that uh, in the end uh, show the CSM everything that they need. A team leader, by the way, is a Good Morning Dashboard for the team leader. A CEM, the Customer Engagement Manager for the long tail, has a Good Morning Dashboard for the CEM. Uh, and now we are building, uh, my team builds the Good morning dashboard for the product manager. Okay, well, uh, so this ops team then it's got quite a few different functions, and you can really see. And, see, uh, and yeah. there's a third function. I think that the right. n- not not to forget the third function, very very important. They are pretty much the customer success ops product manager. They okay. they define and push with our uh, uh, engineering team on the BI side. Uh, processes mainly around Salesforce, not only, but the majority of these processes are uh, are products in Salesforce, and then they push these processes to the entire team, and they also uh, push it uh, continuously all the time to to make sure that these processes work. Yeah, okay, because uh, yeah, it definitely sounds like you can see the amount of work that must be going into this ops team as well then. I think just even you mentioned the learning and development and I can understand like a company like AppsFlyer with the rate of change and the number of features being released and the training that needs to be done not only to news, new CSMs but also to existing. Like just that alone feels like a, a lot of work uh, for a little team to get going and to be able to make sure everyone's on the same page because I think there's obviously challenges there and there's even greater challenge like thinking about the different environments that you work within, the markets, the countries, now between remote and so forth. Um, it sounds like you've got a pretty robust uh, analytics stack as well for a customer success team. Um, and just to recap what you mentioned as well, like that was all specifically focused for customer success metrics, yeah? Um, and you have then analysts 
in different regions and then uh, in some of the big offices uh, for the specific teams as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think, you know, to add to that, I think that uh, for the success for this platform, in the end, I think we've built a product. Uh, It's built uh, mainly on Salesforce and Looker. Um, So because I was VP product uh, 2018 until 2020, uh, and I hired also big data analysts to work with the product side, and that year was also the first year we started using Looker after we've built the infrastructure of Looker in, in AppStar. Then that team also built a lot of value uh, on the product measurement. So now when CSOps are working and building dashboards, if you think about the data points that they have, so they have everything that is commercial, everything finance, mm-hmm. all, this, all the invoices, everything. They have and, and anything else that is available uh, lives in Salesforce. They have all the uh, usage analytics that comes from the product. Yeah. We call it product analytics. And they, on top of that, they have all the engagement analytics, emails, meetings. And specifically on that, we enrich that data even with more manual data that we bring we, we push our CSMs to even detail even more. When I have a meeting with an important customer, I can say a few, I can write a few words later on in Salesforce, I can do that in Troops, I can do that in, in different uh, tools. But in the end, I enrich the data in Salesforce. And it can be a, a, a regular meeting, can be an EBR. And there, by the way, in that same process, you get you get a message after the the meeting in troops in slack and it gives you also the opportunity to start a relationship which is an object in salesforce or to open a red flag which is an object in salesforce or a csql customer success qualified lead that later on turns to an opportunity which is in salesforce and what i'm uh, actually trying to say is that what we actually developed here in the last two and a half years is that a lot of the things that in some other organization lives in either the brain of the CSM or in a spreadsheet or in email or whatever, we standardized it to be a custom object in Salesforce. And then when a CSM is getting promoted, moving or, or leaving the company, uh, the end over between CSMs become 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 much 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 simpler as most of the data that I need to know lives in Salesforce. Even think about I'm a CSM of the top customer and I developed eight relationships. Even uh, 60 days after the CSM left, uh, the relationships these eight relationships that now I need to establish, I have in in that same object I have the previous relationship, the past relationships as a comparison that I know that th- these are the eight people that I need to develop the relationship with. I'm not uh, uh, I'm not looking at the contact object that has 180 people that are yeah. in HBO or whatever. So just to understand as well, like I think a lot of companies today would typically use a customer success specific tool like Gainsight or, or one of those. From my understanding, what you're saying as well is that you've really leveraged Looker and Salesforce to be like a gain site. So essentially having everything within uh, Salesforce and then building in custom objects to make sure if any fields are unavailable. Is that correct? 
Correct. I, I think I think the, the the most important thing here is that when you 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 are getting to be a complex organization, a, a hyper growth, you grow very fast. I think that, and and maybe here I can say that the failure of these customer success platforms is that they are trying to build something that's generic that will work for everyone. And I think that in 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 that even if you you know you have a JavaScript that uh, tries to bring the product analytics and you have it's it's really really hard to bring even one data set of these uh, generically and you know the the mix panels that try to do that side like I don't think that uh, one company can be the best mix panel on one side and the best uh, engagement analytics on another side and the best commercial analytics on an, on another side and here actually the success was to build it proprietary to our needs and I think that you know I wouldn't uh, suggest it to every company but i think that after you see the first hyper growth uh stick you you definitely it's a must to start uh, thinking th- yeah think think to think about mm. and then for sure you need two or three analysts and start your cs ops team but i think that you know when you see that uh, this uh, stick uh, continues you you need to build some kind of that platform in the end you know that like this is what we've built around cs but there's 600 people uh, uh, plus minus on the business side that works with Looker. You know, yeah. uh, I, I built uh, uh, one of the best dashboard I've built last year was the the account cockpit. It's a dashboard, no tabs, just one dashboard that shows you everything that we know about the account. Everything. Uh, you can see there the things that they use and the things that you don't use, the beta features that they are they are using, trials, uh, the opportunities uh, uh, for the entire life, the CSMs that manage this customer for the last seven years, even the cloud compute costs uh, we see there, and in in the end, this is the number one uh, dashboard that is currently used by the salespeople. I built it for myself for some kind of an, another process. And now every salesperson before a call found uh, that this dashboard, uh, they just need to spend three, three minutes before a call uh, on that dashboard and they know everything. They know everything, yeah. Uh, does Looker have any specific integration more with Salesforce since the post-acquisition? Like, does it embed itself better within Salesforce or is it just two separate systems that you're accessing? You're either accessing Looker for the data side or then uh, Salesforce more for like the individual user side? Because it sounds well like you've got a Looker is Google. Looker is Google. Ah, sorry, Sales. No, Looker is uh, Salesforce's Tableau. Yeah, okay. Um, And and the answer is no and no and no. Looker does not integrate well with Salesforce. Tableau doesn't integrate well with Salesforce. Uh, Salesforce bought Slack a, a year and something ago, maybe two years ago. Now they bought troops yeah. to enrich the integration between Slack and Salesforce, which are both their companies, their, their tools. Yeah. All right. Because uh, I, I think definitely, I think from your side, uh, I see the huge value in having a powerful setup in Looker. And I agree as well, like, tools like Mixpanel or these individual tools, they only serve you for so far. And then eventually you're going to have 
questions come up that people can't answer with the standardized reports that they have in. Uh, and like you say, you can't have a best in class all around for the different functions that some of these tools tries to serve. Uh, but yeah, I also do agree with you that it's probably not for every company uh, and it depends on the stage and uh, where you want to spend your time. Because I could imagine this being quite a costly initiative to set up. It almost becomes its product on its own uh, yeah. that's living and breathing and needs to be obtained and maintained and things like that as well. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you another great example of, you know, when these data points marry. And then if you think about like, uh, you won't find any tool that does that. So, you know, we are building relationships and then we map those relationships one-to-one, human-to-human in Salesforce in a custom object. But then we wanted to, uh, in the product, in Looker, we wanted to also provide the CSM the ability to find relationships, potential relationships they, they, they didn't establish yet. So what we, we, we show them there, we look at three main data points. We look at the decision factor, how important that person will be in a, in a, in a future decision in an opportunity. And we look at previous opportunities, previous feature, non-premium opportunities, and uh, if they are the account owner. Uh, the second data point we are looking at is the usage. And there, not only that we are looking at that and give them a, a percentage from zero to 100, we look at what features they are using and also in the absolute amount of times that they're using it in the 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. So to know if that's like a very a highly a, a user, highly effective user. And then the last point, we look at the engagements and uh, there we look at uh, three very interesting points, number of emails, number of tickets that this user opened mm-hmm. and the last CSAT, if they answer the CSAT, CSAT NPS, we want to see their CSAT NPS. And it also uh, uh, pushes the weight there from the zero to 100%. And in the end, you get a calculated weighted usage, engagement, and decision factor. And then you see as a CSM, you see that, oh, you have potential now to build a relation with these top 40 contacts, and you get the higher ones uh, in the top. And the only thing that you need to do is click and, and open that. And I think, you know, if you think about like in a GAN site, to Tango, mix panel, I, I don't think there's a platform that, uh, I think mm. there's, a, there's a few platforms maybe developing that today. Yeah. We'll see. I'd in say the, uh, in Mixpanel's defense, they've come a long, long way. Like I first used Mixpanel maybe like eight years ago. Today I'm using it for my company. And uh, I think, they're getting closer, like more and more of those things that you mentioned and creating formulas and being able to bring in data points from multiple different sources. Uh, there are ways to do it, but it's definitely never going to be as robust as something like a Looker or a Tableau, being able to bring everything into a single data warehouse or data lake. And, uh, I, 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 I think, you, you know, I'll, I'll say something that I think is it's the gap in the industry. And I said I said that to many startups, but in the end, I think with, with the amount of data, even... I'm not even saying AI, even rule-based would work here. You know, with all the data that we have, a a, a very simple solution could tell a CSM that has 20 customers and 100 contacts, significant contacts, as I I like to call it, significant relationships, could easily say to that CSM, which of the contacts he, needs, he or she needs to contact tomorrow morning at what exact time, on what channel, and probably with what data point or around what data point. So I, I know this customer 
is using my data locker and I just uh, added uh, a new feature, non-premium non feature uh, uh, enhancement on data locker. So, and, and, and the system knows that I usually interact with that person on over Slack and that the optimal hour for me to Slack is 9.17 a.m. So, you know, I, I don't even want it to be automated, but the draft, the 95% should be ready. And then I should have a draft for 9.17. And I just need to maybe customize it with something personal and click away. The, you know, then maybe that was my goal in the first place that, you know, in the end there's Dunbar number and the amount of relationships that we can uh, cope with. And then with such a tool, we can double our capacity. A CSM can manage a lot more or a lot more contacts, be more personal. They will want to uh, if, if, if that, uh, use that relationship. And in the end, uh, and I show that uh, in Q4, and since then I show it, that uh, as, as, as the CSM established more significant relationships ac across the account, we see higher NRL. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and also you see a lot less churn. I think this is something we've talked about probably together on the show, but also a lot is it's uh, if the number of like relationships you have within the accounts, if you're at one, it's a huge, huge churn risk because when that champion leaves or that relationship dies, like uh, you need somebody yeah, I, internally I, fighting for it. I found, them, I found that the sweet spot for an enterprise account in our industry, you need seven relationships. Oh, yeah. So wow. the, the the sweet spot for NRR in an enterprise account seven significant oh, yeah, relationships nice. that you know. Nice. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things then as well around engagement, and I wanted to follow up from our last uh, discussion because previously we spoke a little bit about compensation, if I remember correctly, or and uh, engagement metrics being a part of that, like real focus on trying to give guidance on where the CSM should focus their time with their with customers. Uh, have you evolved that system since we last discussed? Like maybe you can just give us a uh, refresher on uh, how it works and uh, how the team is compensated. Yeah, so um, we still have, again, the, the, the same structure for compensation. Um, again, you know, I, I always, uh, you know, fight, fight with myself about it. Uh, um, you know, if you should tie it to a specific uh, metric or not. I, th I think the, the 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 worst thing about the the compensation, um, you know, is a bonus that you pay quarterly on specific uh, activities is that you do get a, a huge increase on those activities, but uh, it comes uh, um, on the cost of, of other things. Uh, so again, we we have uh, variables for all our CSMs. Um, we evaluate it uh, on a yearly basis, and, and we don't tie it to a very to a specific thing. Maybe maybe next year. Um, but when we build OKRs for for the uh, quarter, I, I uh, on a high level uh, from the vision perspective, I look at three main things uh, according to this priority. I invest in first of all in people success internally, the employees and that their development and their self-reflection and what they want to do next and how they reach their uh, second uh, this, uh, customer success. And this is, you know, just to say our mission statement, um, it's uh, to understand 
and help our customers achieve our, our, their desired outcomes while building long-term relationships. And in the end, the last uh, goal, the last objective is company success, is our company success. And if we invest in our, our, our employees and then we help our customers achieve their desired outcomes, we will achieve that uh, in the end, you know, revenue goals, and whether then, it's yeah. ARR, NRR. Um, I, I think, you know, if, if next year we will tie uh, these uh, goals, these uh, variables to the net revenue retention or the annual recurring revenue, I don't believe that it will change a lot. You know, in the end, you know, maybe it will be two or three main things that the, the variable will drive, but I, my job will stay the same. I will still need to drive CSMs to do 15 to 20 things. Uh, and if we, want, we, if we won't be able to do these activities, we will never be successful. Right. What, what I see very, very clearly today on, on the short term is that you need to understand what the customer wants to achieve. You need to build those relationships. You need to end the onboarding. The end of, you need to finalize the onboarding. That has to be successful, fireworks, everything. Then you need to go to the QBRs. Now, if you have the business desired outcomes well articulated, then your QBR just your QBR task just became super easy. Yeah, you know exactly what to speak about, and you can be very, very direct with your customer and say, oh, we achieved that, we didn't achieve that. This is on me. This is on you. Uh, now everyone knows what we want to do, and I think that when a CSM does all all that, then the customer is taking them to the next level, and then speak. Oh, you know what? These are my KPIs for the year. Let's work together. Let's see how uh, how you help me achieve these KPIs. Then I helped you achieve your KPIs. We are we we built a, a amazing trust. We are now much closer. Maybe maybe next time the, the this customer or this specific person will tell me my next challenges. Oh, challenges! If I get think about your company, think about uh, any company. If I get a customer, an enterprise customer, a big account, to now tell me their challenges, I'm bringing the product team, and maybe I have an opportunity here to build the next feature or product, then I can monetize it here. And then, oh, this is an enterprise customer. Now I can take it to 500 customers. This is a happy face on the NRR chart. Yeah. Uh, this is how B2B SaaS companies uh, evolve over time. Uh, and, and, you know, to close here the relationship circle is that we still work with marketeers. They still change jobs every two years. If we provide them great products, great service, and we build that long-term relationship, they will be our customers again. Yeah, absolutely. You, you mentioned as well that um, engagement previously in the episode was like you gave, what, what I really liked about the previous episode was typically like maybe customer success teams will say, our goal is to uh, increase NRR or to decrease churn or whatever it is, but they don't really tell you much or they don't tell you what to do or how to do it. And what I remembered was last time we discussed, you had specific metrics that you had worked with analysts to understand, okay, what are the key KPIs users need to take? What are the actions? 
Um, and that's where you, like the CSMs, their goal was to try and increase those key actions within the product. What it also sounds like now that you're saying is that those key actions maybe did increase, but maybe not always for the right reasons. Is that something that you came into uh, with the system? Because I think it, it's pretty normal as well. I think as well, there's always a level of gaming the system when uh, things come in uh, to play, especially with compensation. Was that something you saw and uh, what was like the workaround there? Yeah, so I think very, very little. Uh, but, you know, I think what's in the end, uh, this end-to-end system that we've we've developed and, and again, the methodology mm. uh, all over it is that we are able, uh, and, and by the way, also our size, our capacity, uh, we are able to now push QBRs and in a month or two to see the effect of QBRs. Now, I think, um, and, and I presented this also to the board uh, last week, you know, if I look at my customer journey, then I know the strategic points that we must do. And this, uh, all the things that I already said, uh, the onboarding, building relationships, the business desired outcomes, the QBR. And I didn't say before, but now like we, we have a renewal forecast and then we have a renewal committee. Um, all these things are, you know, in addition to those, we have the... Maybe I'll say that the, the, the feature areas, and then you have you've divided to non-premium and premium. So we have we're, we're still driving, and we see a lot of uh, uh, effect from from driving these non-premium features that drives mostly stickiness. Uh, by the way, you can tie it directly to GRR. Uh, and and we work together uh, with marketing and, and uh, very very closely with product to analyze and decide which features to 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 drive. And on the other side, this year again, my goal, uh, not, not an unachievable goal, is to drive 100% of the CSQL for existing customers. So to drive all the upsells, to touch all the upsells, 100% of the cases probably we'll get to 70, 75. We're now getting to 75%. If we'll get 80, it will be amazing. Uh, We have a huge number for upsells this year. Uh, And and I think in in the end, you know, uh, any any growth manager or existing uh, uh, customers, uh, salespeople, that works with the CSM has a better shot to win the deal. We know the customer best. We know who you want on the call, who you don't want the call. We know the the probability for any customer to buy something. Yeah. And yeah. and 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 I and I think in the end, this is this is the driver of uh, what this company can be in the next two, three, f- even five years. Because in the end, B two B SaaS is all about. It, it doesn't matter what you do today. It's about what are the what what is your future product, and oh, how many contracts have you established? And then maybe the metric or it's the object that the, most companies doesn't see and doesn't uh, doesn't map and measure the relationships. If you know that we 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 in the last year and a half we mapped in enterprise alone over five thousand relationships. Those are the top marketing people you want to work with. Those are the top people that you want to understand their opinion. What what improves their day-to-day, what doesn't, what makes their difference, what doesn't, what will be six or maybe even seven 
figures ARR for them uh, uh, to buy. And, 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 and that's the story of, of B2B SaaS. Yeah, the, the, the new business is huge. It's super important from marketing to close. Uh, but after you do that, then you start, some companies look at that as a retention effort. I look at that as an opportunity effort. The opportunity and the opportunity, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm focused non-commercial uh, leader. I look at that opportunity as that how, how much value we can provide to these customers, to these individuals. And am I able to build a relationship with them or not? By the way, a relationship is Boolean. It's either they, the, the other person on the other side wants to develop a relationship with me or not. You know, uh, customers from maybe from the past or, or uh, even in, in, in your existing company, there's people that doesn't want to engage with you. Yeah. And even those people, when you turn them, when you understand what the value they are looking for and you turn them, they become your biggest advocates because hard people are not... Uh, less an advocate than others. They just you just need to find the value that they are looking for. Absolutely. Well, if this has uh, been an education again and uh, very enlightening, it's good to see sort of um, how things keep progressing year over year. If there's any final thoughts because we've run up on time now. Is there any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? Like anything they should be aware of from your side or any message you want to share with them? Yeah, you know, I think uh, the, the most important thing is to focus uh, on being positive. Doesn't matter what happens, you know, last, lots of things happened in the last uh, three years. Always think positive. You know, what you imagine is what l- later on happens. Uh, and, um, you know, my, my biggest advice is to always do and, f- and, and, and focus your efforts on the things that are in your control. I think that it sounds common sense, but uh, you know, anyone that listens to this episode, think, think about the, the things that you've done in the last week, two weeks. Think about if you focus on the, on the things that are, was in your control. Yeah, this is something I truly believe in a lot is that so many times like people worry about so many things outside of their control. We're really like, if you focus on the things that are within your control, uh, you gain control in that manner. But if you like just sort of start thinking of all the things that you can't have influence over and you let those things worry you and get you upset or, or thing, it's like, there's, it's like, I think there's a, one of the songs, it's as effective as trying to solve an algebraic equation by chewing bubble gum. Like you're not going to, to learn anything or do anything by it. So uh, I love that message. Uh, definitely focus on what you can control. Uh, Ziv, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining, and I wish you best of luck now going into this uh, next chapter next year. And hopefully, like, we'll hear from you in the next year of uh, bigger and better uh, apps flyer. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, 
I would love to hear from you and you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.